We are so excited to be going to Phoenix, Arizona for this year's DSO Connect Retreat. Join us June 27th through 29th for three days full of inspiring content and unforgettable connections. The DSO Connect Retreat is truly a life-changing event. You'll gain useful and practical business information to bring your studio to the next level, meet lifelong friends, and join a community where you can finally share and receive support. Take some time to recharge, reinvent, and reconnect with other studio owners. You'll leave inspired and motivated to transform your dance studio. Your ticket includes your lodging at a fabulous estate, all food and beverages, and three days of content and implementation sessions to get stuff done together. This year's seminar topics include staffing from hiring to firing, customer onboarding, social media, financials, website audit, and systems, creating processes for all parts of your business. This amazing event is free for pro-level members of the DSO Connect Member Vault, $480 for basic level members, and $960 for non-members. Space is extremely limited for this exclusive event, so don't wait. Head on over to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat 2022 tab to learn more and to reserve your spot today. We can't wait to meet you. Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I am Casey and I have some very special guests with me today. We have Michelle Lukadu and Kristen Dice with us from Dance End. So welcome you two. Yay! Thank you thank so much. You. We're excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. I've been kind of, I've been on your email list, I feel like for quite a while, and I've been meaning to reach out to you to have you on the podcast because I love what y'all are doing. If anybody, uh, if any of our listeners are not familiar with Dance End, um, you got to get on their email list and see what they're doing because it's an amazing, amazing program. So let me read Thank a you. little bit about you guys. So after working together in the education field for nearly a decade, the idea of Dance End was born because of an overwhelming need that Kristen and Michelle observed in their students, the need for mental health awareness. Dance End's mission is to bring mental wellness to the forefront of dance training by providing a space for education, application, and community to dancers, educators, and professionals. In Dance End, they have created a resource that they wish was available when they were beginning their dance careers, a resource that will benefit not only their students, but also the dance industry as a whole. So yay, I love all of that. I am so big on mental health awareness, so big on mental health advocacy. As a mental health patient myself, I did a whole podcast episode about my own struggles with all of that. And I think it's just so important for, uh, for studio owners to be aware of it, not just for their students and their staff, but for themselves as well. So yeah. welcome. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I want to start by just like, give us a little snippet of your journeys as dancers, as dance educators, and then how did you, um, how you wound up where you're at now? So Kristen, you want to start? Sure. Um, it's, it's such a trip trying to, you know, condense know, right? <laughs> decades and decades <laughs> into three sentences. You're like, where do I begin? Um, 
So I was a total, total, total bunhead. And that's, you know, my dream was to become a principal dancer in New York City Ballet. And that was actually part of the problem. Like I didn't have, that was the only thing I wanted. Yeah. Um, that anything else was not, was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was training on scholarship at some of the best pre-professional schools in the country. I was at the rock school for a really, really long time. I was at SAB for multiple summers. Wow. I was training at my city ballet school. And in the middle of all of that, when I was about 13, I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, wow. And I had to stop dancing. And I didn't know if, honestly, you know, it affects everybody so differently. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, there were days when I couldn't walk. Uh, there were days when I couldn't button my shirt or my pants. I was in the hospital a lot and, you know, dance was like the last thing on my yeah. mind because I didn't know what my life was even going to look like. And I was super lucky that after a year it went into remission. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So it went into remission and doctors were like, okay, you're good. You're, you're all great now. Go, go back to your normal life. But the thing with chronic illness and I assume it's the same with chronic mental um, illness as well. It's like, it doesn't go away, right? right? It's always it's always there. And um, that really had taken a toll on my body. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting injured left and right. Like going back to training was not the same. And it was injury, 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 injury. And it dancing became such a source of pain for me instead of the source of joy that it once was. And when I was 17, I remember having a conversation with one of my instructors at Miami city. And she was just like, your body is falling apart. (laughs) And I was like, I know. And she's like, you can, you could probably do this for a few more years. You get a contract somewhere and maybe you've got a few years in you. And I just, that was like a knife to the heart. And I was like, I don't want to do that to myself. Like that wasn't, you know, fun. So I decided I was going to quit. And I went to school for history and I got a BA in history. And then I was in a PhD program for history. And I do love history, but I was like, what am I doing with my life? This feels weird. It doesn't feel like me. And all along the way, I was taking dance classes for fun. And I started doing modern and contemporary. And I was like, look at this other world that I never knew. And so then I went back and I got my MFA um, from Tisch in dance performance and choreography. And I started dancing in contemporary ballet companies and contemporary companies in New York. And along the way, I found I loved teaching, which I never, ever thought I wanted to do. And then I moved to LA um, really to like get into higher education as an instructor. And I met Michelle teaching at a college out here. And I was still dancing here and there out here in LA. And now I'm the chair of that college, the commercial dance department. And Michelle and I, you know, we can get to this in a little bit, but Michelle and I were kind of on our own journeys to heal ourselves from, from some of the, the damage and the hurt of our dance training and dance careers. And then poof, we're here today, getting to share all the things that we nerd out about in, and research and, and just all the questions we have about everything, we get to do the work and then share with other people, which is really fantastic. I love that. That's so great. I love that you were able to find dance again for fun 
how, mm-hmm. what was that transition like going from like, oh I quit this thing that is my entire life into, okay, now I'm just doing it for fun. It was really yeah. hard. It didn't feel easy. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel, you know, when I say it, it sounds very joyous mm-hmm. and it wasn't for a long right. time. And I, in fact, didn't even want to do it. It wasn't my doing. It was I was blessed to have people put in my life Mm. that saw in me the thing that I needed to face. And they encouraged me with love and support. And I will remember her name is Emily Weitzel. And she was like one of my first friends at college. And she learned all about me and my history. And she goes, why aren't you taking dance? And I was like, you know, in college, I was like, I don't do that anymore. And she goes, yes, you do. What are you talking about? Come on, like, let's go take a dance class. And and then I met, you know, a dance instructor there and everybody was just pushing me, pushing me, pushing me to, to be okay with this part of myself, mm. even if it wasn't what I wanted it to be or what I thought it should right. be. And I remember like when I was at Tisch, the first day of class at Tisch, um, like I was back in a real, you know, rigorous training environment. And I, I, we were doing like warm up in a modern class or something. And I was on the floor and we were, we were all like folding forward and I just started bawling my eyes out and it felt like I had come home and it was in, in like a much healthier way than I ever had before. Right. Like it just felt, yeah. So it was, um, and I think that's why I'm, I'm super passionate about this stuff is because I've, I've, experience dance my relationship as many of us have been like my relationship with dance is so complex and so full of joy and full of pain and full of heart and full of hurt Mm -hmm. and you know come and and no one talked about it like no one I couldn't talk about this with anybody because it wasn't something that was like discussed right you know it was either when I stopped dancing I just assumed I didn't have what it took I just don't have it I just don't have it. I wasn't blessed with the gift. I wasn't, you know, blessed with the mental fortitude. I wasn't blessed with the physical genes and I just couldn't do it. Um, And if I had resources to sort of understand the, the path I was on, I think my life would have looked. Yeah, definitely. Wow. What a journey. That's amazing. Michelle, your turn. Yeah, I feel like Chris and I learned like one or two new things about you and that like I uh, I usually get the abbreviated version of the the history and um, it's really nice to hear the long one. Um, Sorry, I went I went yeah. I went a bit long. No, there. it's great. No, it's great. <laughs> um, so I I too was a bunhead. Um, well, I actually started out as a competition kid, um, and then we went to like Star Pass, Stars of Tomorrow, and like all these different competitions, and and we were uh, terrible, um, and we would you know always lose, and but we always had the most fabulous costumes and. So uh, eventually I found a local ballet school um, and started going there with Southwest Virginia Ballet and then um, started training much, much, much more seriously. Um, Then I got into ABT and then moved to, which is ABT um, to study. Um, And then I I thought like ballet is like everything. This is all I'm gonna ever do. Um, even though like, you know, people keep telling me that my body is not a ballet body, but 
but I'm just like the harder I work and the, the, maybe if I just lose enough weight, then I'll be a ballet body. Um, so I, you know, graduated from high school. I, uh, auditioned for and got into Richmond ballet. I danced for Richmond ballet for a few years and moved around to different ballet companies after, um, after that, um, Fun fact, I was actually fired from the Lexington Ballet um, in Kentucky because I was too fat. I was asked not to not to return for, <laughs> for the rehearsals for their next. Um, and I wasn't fat. Like I probably weighed like 122. Yeah, maybe. that's not that's um, not large by any means. Yeah, I know. Oh I'm my just, god. I'm just a, a curvy body type. How dare you? you know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but of course, like I blamed it all on myself. Um, uh, and then I ended up at New Jersey Ballet, dancing for New Jersey Ballet, which is a, a lovely company um, out in Livingston, New Jersey. And my friend Double Dog dared me during our summer layoff to audition for a musical. Um, this musical is in a nearby town, um, a theater called Paper Mill Playhouse. And they were doing My Fair Lady. So I was like, okay. So I went and auditioned. Um, and I, I got the job, um, uh, rewind. I had been taking singing lessons this whole time. Like I studied opera with, um, um, a teacher at Radford university. Like I was obsessed with opera. Um, so I auditioned and they gave me the job and I was green as heck, but I loved it. Like all the costumes and all the dancing and and I could just be myself. Like, I felt like I was not being myself in ballet. It was like myself, like contained into this little box that I was supposed to be in and in musical theater. Like, I'm so extra. Like, I'm so like, ah, wacka, 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 cheese. I'm so cheesy. And, and the cheese was perfect for musical theater. Um, so then at that point I had to choose after that show was done, whether I would go back for another season at New Jersey Ballet or, um, that choreographer that show had asked me to be in his next show, um, which would, and they had offered me my union card, my equity card um, for, uh, you know, Actors Equity Association for musical theater. Um, so I ended up uh, choosing the musical theater route. And then I did musical theater for a very long time. I did regional theater for about two years. So I traveled around, did shows all over the country. Um, I got my first Broadway show in 2005, which was Beauty and the Beast. Um, and then I did that, which was super fun. And um, my first original cast was Mary Poppins right after that. And then I did that and um, really fell in love with it. Like I love doing Beauty and the Beast, but it felt like it was, it had been around a while. Um, so I was just a replacement, um, but being able to do Mary Poppins as an original cast, like there's nothing better than creating a new musical. Like, um, and Matt Bourne was the choreographer and he was just so fantastic. And um, so, so I just continued on doing musical theater and kind of like learning more and working my way up. Like I got to understudy some leads. I got to play Ariel. And then when I did Anything Goes, we won the Tony. Like, it was like, a, this is a fantastic, like it was like when you find some place that you fit, and I fit there. Um, but I have this personality that's like, I am, I am uncomfortable being comfortable. So, um, at that point I was like, well, cool. I've conquered this mountain. I'm going to go be a television star out in Los Angeles. 
So I up and, you know, anything goes closed on like the 7th of August. And I flew out to LA the 9th and then never left. So now I live in LA. <laughs> um, and I've been doing, um, you know, I did a lot of things out here. Largely, um, I got back into teaching, which, you know, when you're a dancer, like you still teach while you're dancing professionally, right? So I would teach for the school of whatever company I would, um, I was dancing with. Um, and then, you know, I did some TV and film out here, you know, some, some fun roles, but I, I realized that, you know, before I moved to LA to figure out that I wanted to be a TV and film star, maybe I should have figured out if I liked it because I don't. Um, like I, the energy, there's something special about an energy of an audience and someone on stage and like having that give and take and that palpable excitement that raises us all, um, that doesn't happen on set. And that was just kind of a quiet, if anything, it, it was a vacuum. Um, so, um, yeah, so then Kristen and I met at a college out here in LA um, and then worked there. I worked there for about seven years. Um, when I left, I was the um, associate dean of undergraduate studies, and um, I I felt like there was more. So I resigned about a year and maybe a few months ago. Um, so a year and a few months ago, so I took a, yeah, so actually probably a year and a half ago now. Um, and to pursue things like dance in. So here we are um, doing dance in. And Kristen and I were literally like during the pandemic playing with our, at that time, two-year-olds in the park. Um, and we were just talking about like all of the crap that dance had, had left us with. Like my body image from issues from the ballet world have stuck with me forever. Like, I still feel like I can't eat anything unless I've earned it by exercising first, like all of these things. And, and, you know, we talked about like self-talk and perfectionism and, and, and everything I said, she said, wait, me too. And everything she said, I said, me too. We we're like, oh my gosh, somebody else feels like that. So we were like, maybe other people feel like that. So that's kind of how Dan Sanders born. And then um, as we started getting the word out, we realized almost everybody does. And so it's just been, we've created a community now of over 2000 people um, that are dance educators largely, um, who we uh, provide resources. Um, we provide them resources <clears throat> for their dance studio, for their students, for themselves. Um, and, um, we are hoping to change the industry for the better one teacher, dance teacher at a time. That's amazing. I love, I love all of that so much. And I love your journey that it, that you have experienced so many different, um, I guess, facets of a performance career, you know, like that just goes to show that you don't have to, you don't have to be kind of pigeonholed into one sort of genre or one um one avenue of of a dance career you can kind of do this and then do that and then do the other thing and then do that thing and and the only way to find out what works for you is to try a bunch of stuff <laughs> exactly do you know i just read an <clears throat> an article in wired magazine that the any that 
young people today graduating from high school right now are, are um, predicted to have an average of seven to 10 different careers wow. in the 10 years after they graduate. In the 10 years? Whoa, mm-hmm. that's wild. Oh my gosh. And we have this idea of like what success looks like. And it's like you graduate from college and you get that job and then that's your career for the rest of your life. And like, that's what success is, but it's so not, it doesn't have to be that at all. Um, And usually the success that you can't imagine is better than the success that you would. Oh my gosh. Yes. I never would have imagined myself being a dance studio owner and a coach and consultant for dance studio owners. Like that was never part of my vision when I was, when I was younger and thinking about my future, but I love everything that I'm doing. And and how could it be like when you're, when you're young and you know, when I was, God, I was eight years old. My mom tells me the story all the time. And I was in the back of her car and I was a very serious child. I'm still a very serious person, (laughs) but (laughs) I like to laugh, but like, as a kid, I was super intense. And I said something to my mom. I was like, mom, I might've been younger than eight. Mom, if I can't dance, I die. And she was like, oh my God, (laughs) do I need a young priest and an old priest? (laughs) Like what the heck is going on here? And I, and so, and I bring this up because it's like, how do you know? How, how could you, you don't have the tools when you're eight years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, 15 years old. You don't have the life experience to know what the heck is out there? You don't even know who you are. I still don't know. I'm like every day I'm figuring out like, Oh, is this a part of who I am? Absolutely. So like, how, you know, how could you know? And, and I think dance training historically has said, here is the end goal Mm -hmm. for us all in this room. And only one of you will get there. Right. You know, like that's how we're set up (laughs) in the beginning. And we're like, okay. Like it's such a scarcity mindset from such a young age. There's that one spot. We're all going for the same one. So who's going to get it? And there, it doesn't, no one talks about, well, there's other things you can do. Mm -hmm. And maybe you don't get that spot right away, but maybe you get it later on, you know? And, And we just, we didn't have that conversation when I was training and it felt very much like, and I think that's why I reacted the way I did when. I didn't get the thing I wanted Mm -hmm. or the thing that I thought was success. And I was like, well, then I don't want anything to do with it because it's painful. Right. Right. Yeah. I had a, a, so Robin, my, my co-host and business partner is actually, she was my very first dance teacher and the studio owner that of the studio that I went to growing up. And I think I was about like 11, maybe when she pulled me into her office to have a serious chat because I was an assistant teacher. And in my bio that I, that I wrote for myself as a, an assistant teacher, I said that my, oh my God, I love right. That. <laughs> I said that my, an 11 my, year old bio, my goal so was to be a principal dancer with the American ballet theater. And she pulled me in and said, honey, no, <laughs> basically said, um, you know, I don't think that is in the cards for you. Um, however, you still have a passion, you still have a facility and let's maybe focus more on modern dance for you as an avenue instead of ballet. Um, And so of course I was absolutely crushed at the time, but I'm so glad that she had that conversation with me because had I pursued ballet for, you know, seriously until, you know, whenever it just would have been more devastating than, (laughs) than my life turned out to be. So um, yeah, it's just, it's hard to, to have a vision for yourself and then to realize "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you're passionate about Mm -hmm. it, you know, when you love what you do. And, and I, 
I see this dancers are just such a rare, rare breed. I think all athletes that know what they want at a young age are Mm -hmm. even in the college here. Like we have students that come into the dance department and they're coming in at 18 years old, you know, and they've been doing this for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. Most of them, at least 10 years already. And they get here. Whereas like some of the other departments, you know, the, the students haven't been doing it for as long right. as the dancers have like, and it's, it becomes, it's just so a part of who you identify as right. and who you think you are yeah. because it's, it's, you know, all encompassing. Yes. So it's, it's hard. It's really, really yeah, hard. I see to, that a lot to, um, with my students that their entire identity is wrapped up in mm-hmm. being a dancer. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to kind of warn them against that mentality because it kind of shrinks you down into one thing and you're so much more than one thing. And yes. I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to approach that with them, I guess. with my So actually I just did research on this. I've done oh, great. some research on, um, so, and they, there is no research on identity, like I over identifying with something hmm. uh, as far as, um, dance is concerned, obviously, but we like to, you know, liken it to athletic research and, you know, kind of take that in as well. Um, So in sports psychology, athletic identity is the degree to which individual, like individuals identify with the athletic role. Um, But so there are these studies, we know from sports psychology that some personality traits such as perfectionism and trait identity are associated with a high risk for burnout. And then athletes with strong identities have strong athletic identities have higher burnout levels and that high athletic identity predicts burnout. Um, because when we over identify with our role, like in dance, you know, when we have something like a, an injury or a setback, um, those dancers are actually like in a peer reviewed study, more likely to experience things like depression and, um, anxiety about what might happen in the future. Um, like over identification is, is just so difficult too, because, you know, it's, it becomes part of our identity because it's a beautiful thing like this dance studio we all come together and we're a team and we do this dance together and we're working together and it's great like why not why shouldn't it be our identity I'm Mm -hmm. a dancer I'm a dancer at purple water bottle school of dance (laughs) and I am you know that's what makes me but if that's the only part of their identity then that is very, very easily uh, crushed. Right. Definitely. And I lived that. Mm-hmm. I 100% lived yeah. that and it was not right. Fun. And I'm, st- I'm still like recovering. Um, yeah. And if someone, you know, and it, I didn't have anybody in my life encourage me to think of myself as more. And not because it was malintended, you know, like nobody, nobody purposely did that um, because they wanted to hurt me or they, they thought that, you know, we're going to get Kristen. It was, it was like, oh, this is something she's good at. I mean, especially my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, this is something she loves and is good at. How, how do we support and cultivate this? Oh yeah. And then all of my instructors, I mean, I was praised because of my talent 
and my hard work? Why wouldn't I continue, you know, to like seek out that, that praise and that feedback? Yeah. And it just, when that, when that doesn't work out, when you've wrapped up your entire self in one thing and something goes wrong mm-hmm. in that one thing, you just don't feel worthy of anything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think I've, I've talked to so many people who, um, had professional careers in dance and then, you know, that their time was up, their, their bodies were done or their, their, their souls were done or whatever it was. And then that time after retiring from a professional career is just like, what even is my life? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with, uh, or worse with an injury at a young age. Um, so what are, so in your work with dance end, how, or what are some of the most common issues that you see, um, for students? Perfectionism Mm -hmm. is a big one. Um, negative self-talk is a huge one. Issues with body image, um, resilience, Mm. I think is, is another big one. Obviously what we're talking about right now, over identifying with, with being a dancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What competitiveness else? or, or in the dealing with the um, stress that comes with competition with comes with, that comes with performance. Um, and it, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, mm, kind of being able to take and receive and or not receive feedback Mm -hmm. as well. Um, When we get what we call a correction in class, which I believe is the absolute wrong word to call it because a correction is innately negative. Yeah. So what would you Um, prefer to call it? We call it feedback. Okay, great. I love that. Um, And then, and then, you know, interpersonal issues, you know, how to Mm. deal with quote, mean girls, which I don't necessarily like to call mean girls because we talk about using non-gender specific language in Mm -hmm. the classroom. So, I mean, what's interesting about the dance world is that there are so many things that are ingrained that are not necessarily as healthy as they could be. Right. Right. But we're so (laughs) wrapped up in this idea of tradition Mm -hmm. and and, and history and, well, this is the way that my teacher did it. So this is the way that I will do it. And, and it's like, well, why, (laughs) why are we still doing it that way? When, so like, obviously it works to some degree because, you know, it's created however Mm -hmm. many amazing dancers and performers, but at what cost? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it's, None of it's, I don't think is, uh, or most of it, probably it's not malicious. It no. is simply the way we do it. Right. And, um, and you know, why, one of the reasons Kristen and I created a lot of our resources is, is that there really isn't any kind of education mm-hmm. for dance teachers moving from teaching in this, from being in the studio to teaching in the studio. Mm. Sure, they could go away and get a four-year degree. Many of them don't but there really isn't a lot of educational opportunity on how to care for your dancers between start the day you graduate from high school and go away for four years and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and then come back, you know? Right. So, um, so we've created, you know, uh, we have a group called council, um, which is, uh, my favorite thing. <laughs> it's a group of, we have, I think 65 people that are signed up for council now. Um, and it provides, uh, basically we do the work for you. 
Um, so we have weekly workshops, uh, work, yeah, weekly worksheets that we create for teachers to use in the classroom that take less than five minutes that explore different aspects of mental health and wellness. And then um, right on the, the day before we release the weekly worksheets, we have a Zoom, um, two Zooms, in, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, um, where council members can join us and we teach them about what it is. And it can be anything from coping with stress, um, preparing students mentally for competition, um, dealing with perfectionism in the classroom, um, how to how to talk about body image, how to support a more positive body image, um, all of these things. So we talk about them first on Thursday. We send out free workshop. Uh, we send out worksheets to use in the dance uh, studio on Friday, and then every month we'll send a new short video that they can use in the classroom. So it's kind of um, prepackaged. Here's your stuff. Just administer it um, for your students. That's amazing. Um, wow. And, it, and it's called, it's called council because, you know, the best part of it is, I don't think for, for me, the best part of it isn't the resources. The best part of it is that we get on this zoom with mm -hmm. dance teachers from all over the, literally all over the world. And we all has, have to struggle with the same issues. You know, mm. we all have the same things that we worry about and and the same types of students that are being, you know, like that are being downtrodden or the same students that are perfectionists or the same. So we help each other. And I've learned, I've learned just as much from everybody in council as I've learned like doing my presentations. So, and we priced it at a, at a, at a place that's, um, we understand dance teachers are, are, are struggling right now with mm -hmm. with the pandemic and so it's it's only five dollars a month to join wow um, for everything and um we just ask that you use it to make a change for the better in your dance studio that's incredible what a remarkable resource for such an affordable rate <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> how do people sign up where can they find you they can go to uh, dancen.com d-a-n-s-c-e-n-d.com and then they, if you scroll down, there's a section for teacher, uh, teacher resources and the section for educator or for dancer resources. Awesome. And so tell us more about your resources for, for dancers. So our resources for dancers, we have, um, we have a few, we have a free five-day challenge which is called inspiring the whole dancer. And you don't have to do it in five days, but it's five little uh, units. And it, it was created as we were going back into the studio after COVID. Mm. So each day sort of, or each unit talks about different things, like looking at yourself in the mirror, comparing yourself to others, um, sort of celebrating yourself once you leave the dance studio. Like what is your life like outside of the studio? And that's free and it's it's a little bit of education, a little bit of reflection with worksheets and some tips to to carry you forward and to keep those things um, in your brain and to start some really healthy habits. And we also have a mini course on self-talk. And this is for dance educators as well as dancers. And it's um, this one is priced at $44. And there are seven units in that 
in that course that are pretty extensive. There's a video for video component for each section. And there are uh, stories, case studies for each section, worksheets, reflection points for each section. And it really is all about um, looking at your, your self-talk and figuring out where it can be better and how to do it. Um, and then lastly, our behemoth of a, of a resource for dancers is called Nourishing the Whole Dancer. This is a three-month course um, where it's dripped out it, new content is delivered to you each week. So it's done specifically, it's designed in a way to keep you sort of accountable for a full three months or 12 weeks. Um, and no, it's, so it's not available to you all at once, right? And so this is, we designed it this way because one, dancers are busy. Two, um, it takes a long time to start healthy habits, 30 days at least, right? So like this is really getting you, uh, getting you into that place to do it. And the first month, the first four weeks are all about introduction to mental wellness, why it matters, right? Sort of tilling the soil as I, I use that metaphor a lot. And then the second month is about self-talk and the third month is about body image. And for every student that signs up, we gift that same course to a dance teacher of their choice. So oh. that they have someone in their life. Yeah. So they have someone in their life kind of, uh, you know, going through it too and, and being a source of support for them because community really is everything. Absolutely. Like nothing happens, you know, on, on one by, by yourself ever, right. ever in oh, life. Yeah. And um, if you are doing this work, it's so important to have a place mm -hmm. and, or a poor person yeah to, to go to and talk about it with. That's so brilliant. I love that. Yeah. And it's also difficult if a, if a dancer is doing the good work about, you know, creating a, a more you usable, positive self-talk and they have mm -hmm. a teacher who is not using words mm -hmm. that are constructive. Like it's, 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 it's supporting the dancer as well. Yeah. Um, and then, so the other thing we have uh, for teachers for dance educators which we're really excited about we just um uh kind of recently uh created a certification so you can become certified as a mental wellness educator um for dancers um and it the great thing about the class is because we know everyone is so busy is that we created it so that you can do it on your own time you can take as much time as you want as little time as you want um and it covers things like how to create a safe space in the dance studio um how to give constructive feedback what kinds of words to use what types of feedback to use um, how to nourish community both in your dance studio and for yourself, um, how to teach dancers to encourage a growth mindset. Um, and then the last part is a little bit more like um, leading by example. So mm. dance educators tend to forget about themselves a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really helping people take care of themselves. Even, you know, we, <laughs> you go, we go so far as to like, give like verbatim what you should do. Like, okay, a, a student comes up to you at the end of class and you need to pee. <laughs> you, need to, like, you have a class starting in four minutes. Do you stay there and answer the student's question? And, and 
sometimes the answer is counterintuitive and Mm -hmm. it's no, because you need to let the student know I need to take some time for myself right now. Please email me. I'm going to step away because I am, it's important to take care of myself and go outside and take a walk and use the restroom. Um, And it seems mean, but, but it's setting up a great example for those students to care for themselves. Absolutely. So so yes, you can get certified. And then um, if you, if you complete the whole thing, there's a quiz at the end. Um, If you, if you um, pass the quiz, you receive a printable certification that you can share with your, with your employers or future employers, just to, to let them know that, that you've done the work to be able to create a um, positive space in your dance studio. That's fabulous. And about how long is that certification course? I know you said you can kind of do it on your own time, but. Yeah, well, it's, um, we usually say that they, that, uh, uh, most of our, our work, gosh, let me think about it. I think most of the people that have completed it have completed it in about a week, week and a half. Okay. Um, but, um, you could, I don't know, you may be able to even like spend a whole like 10, 12, 12 hour day and complete it in a day. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there are some folks that just go by a little chunk by chunk. Sure. Um, there's some videos and there's some case studies and some, you know, we try to make it fun. Cool. That's awesome. And what's the price point for that certification? That's $75. Oh my God. (laughs) Y'all that's incredible. (laughs) Well, we're, you know, we're not, we're not in this to buy a Bentley. Um, (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) I mean, we, you know, we both are dance teachers and we know that we are overworked and underpaid and, and we want to create a community of, of people that feel the same way that, that know how to make their dance studio a better place. And if we price things at thousands of dollars, we are going to lose so many teachers that, mm-hmm. that desperately want this and need it. Yeah. You know, um, you, you know I, I hopefully someday we'll have hundreds of thousands of people yes. that are yes. certified and then, you know, it'll be a, a profitable business, but for sure. now, it truly is a, a, a labor of love and passion and um, it's truly a joy to do. It's That's beautiful. What an amazing, amazing and I do, service. I do want to mention that, you know, Michelle and I, spoiler alert, are not mental health experts. That was my next question is I <laughs> yeah, didn't hear any um, mental health uh, education in your no, little, no. little journey. We, so. we are not mental health experts. We actually did do the uh, youth mental health, youth first aid training, which is super, oh, super great. And we highly, highly suggest it for, what, for everyone. It's like four hours. What organization is that through? Mental Health USA okay. or Mental Health First Aid USA. Um, if you Google it, it'll come right okay. up. It's for, they have two different programs, one for youth and one for, for older adults that said, and we know we're not, you know, mental health experts. So we do have an advisory board comprised awesome. of mental health experts Very cool. <laughs> that, that look at what we're doing and make sure that it's sound that, um, you know, the, the, the research is being translated in a way that is accurate Mm -hmm. because that's what we're doing. We're doing the research. We're looking at the studies and the, this and the, that, and then we're translating it into talk that dance educators and dance students can understand. Mm -hmm. And also 
in tips that they can use. That's a big one. It's like one thing to know all this stuff, but a lot of times people don't know how to implement. Yes. It. Okay. I know these things, but I don't know how to, you know, how to do right. that in, in my classroom right. or in my dance studio business. Mm -hmm. And actually, and I know that we're getting to time soon, but I did want to mention some ways that dance studio owners yes, can can look out for the mental wellness of their employees yes. as well as themselves that was my next but you're like reading my mind <laughs> yeah so what are the teacher and me what are your you know just a few tips um about how studio owners can help support the mental wellness of their employees and for themselves yeah so first let me say that um there's a statistic that states the majority of today's adult population spends at least one third of their lives at work. Oh. At least. Yeah. One third. And I know I'm, I, mine's more than that. I'm sure everybody on this call is mm -hmm. more than that. So um, that's a lot of your yes. time, right? So, okay. How, how can dance studio owners make this a pleasurable experience right. for the people that are working there? Well, Forbes magazine reported that after the CEO of a services organization shared a personal story with his company's employees regarding how both he and his family struggled with mental health, a poll showed that afterwards 68% of his employees stated that they spoke to someone about their mental wellness for the first time. Whoa. So there's still a stigma surrounding mental wellness. So as much, much as we so. talk yes. about it, there's still a stigma. So one super easy way to start supporting the mental wellness of your employees as a business owner is to talk about it, start the conversation, send an email, send a tip of the day. Mm -hmm. I found this, I found this at danceend.com, like whatever it is, just, just share it, share it with your employees because you're sending the message that this is a, a place where this matters, where it matters right? Yeah. And you don't have to be the mental health expert to do mm -hmm. that. Um, Another way, a simple, easy way is to ask your employees where they need support. Mm -hmm. And, and you might not have the answer, right? You might not have it exactly like, oh, great. Well, here it is. But it's like, let me, let me look into that for you. Where do you need support? Where do you feel like you're drowning? Then you have the information you need to, to cultivate, right? right a better workplace. Right. Um, another easy, well, it's not easy. I shouldn't say easy. It's not easy. But try to schedule a time and it, maybe it's only five minutes where it is a quiet time hmm. period for everyone, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, like nothing is happening. Nobody can bother anyone. <laughs> and during that time, everyone gets to do what they need to do, whether that's go outside for fresh air, use the restroom, grab a granola bar, like whatever it is. Um, it is so, so important. I adjusted my class schedule primarily due to COVID. We were doing a very thorough cleaning process in between each class. So I, I, I cut five minutes off of the end of every class. So 45 minute classes turned to 40 hour long turned to 55 and so on. And this, we, you know, after reviewing research and, and uh, updates about COVID, we realized that like, we didn't really need to be doing those intensive cleaning um, procedures between each class. But I asked my staff, do you want to keep, like, would you rather have those five minutes back or do you want to keep what we've been doing? And they were like, oh my God, please keep it. It's so amazing. Just those five minutes, yes. just having a little tiny yes. buffer has been amazing. 
Yes. And that is really like, it's small. It's a small so change, small. but it can make a huge, huge Absolutely. difference. And sunshine, getting outside in mm. the sun, even if it's a cloudy day, um, getting some rays on your face for just a few minutes. Um, my favorite neuroscience neuroscientist is Andrew Huberman. And um, he talks about you know, getting like setting your body's circadian clock by going outside in the morning and just dancers that we spend so much time in the dance studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, but it's so important to, to, to hear, hear a bird tweet or, you know, like, <laughs> yes, a leaf, you know, because for sure, um, we need that. Definitely. Definitely. Another thing that I've done that, um, is, is not easy, but I think it's made a big difference is I give my, I give my staff paid time off. Um, and it's only, it's it's only one week's worth. (laughs) So however many hours that teacher teaches in a week, they get that much paid time off. Um, and so I encourage them to use it. You know, I'm like, listen, I take mental health days as much as I need them for myself because I'm the owner and I can, you know, rearrange my schedule as I need to. So I'm like, well, wait, I can't encourage my staff to take mental health days for themselves if I'm not paying them for that time. So yes. I've, I've added, um, a week of paid time off for all of my staff and it's been That's really awesome. great. That is fantastic. That is unheard of for right? a dance, for a dance studio. Yes. Yeah. Like that yes. is Yes. Like that, that itself is changing the industry. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. And then it's incredible too, for you to say as the studio owner and the business owner, like I'm taking care of myself, mm-hmm. which is amazing because many people do, do not, not, not at all. Right. So how can we care for ourselves yeah. more? Well, yes. Tell I've us got a few more. ideas. <laughs> um, and I know we're, we're wrapping up soon. So I'm going to bust these out. Okay. Two things. The first I would say as a dance studio owner, I know there's a ton of fires to put out all yes. the time. I know it. And I know your, your lives are busy. However, when we are in a purely responsive state mm. to everything in our lives, our nervous system is in fight, fight like yes. fight, flight or, or freeze. freeze or fawn. Mm-hmm. Now there's, yeah. you know, more research being done around all these different, um, ways that we react to chronic stress. And you are constantly in chronic stress and you are, even when you are resting, you are not actually oh, resting God, it's to the, the amount that you could be. And it, it happens. People are like, but I'm sleeping. I don't feel like I'm getting enough sleep, but I, I am. am. Well, yes, but your body is in a constant state of stress. So you're not actually resting the way that you should. So it's so important to really architect your time so that you respond to things within a limited time yes. period. And you have to believe that the world will not fall apart Mm -hmm. if you step away. And that is hard. Mm -hmm. But what that does is it empowers others to step in and solve issues, solve problems. So it it just takes a mindset change. Like I can do this. I can architect my day. And this is the hours that I respond. These are the hours that I don't. Um, The second thing is so important. So when you are a business owner, obviously there's unique stressors to being a business owner that no one else really understands unless you are a business owner. Talking about those things with people who understand can make an insanely huge difference. Um, There's a clinical psychologist, Dr. Sussman, and he says, he did a bunch of studies and he says that 
people will open up more to other people who they feel like will understand what they're going Mm -hmm. through. So if you're talking to someone who has no idea, you probably won't speak your truth. But when you're talking to somebody who knows, you're more likely to, to engage and to share. Yeah. And that can really, that in itself is shown to relieve so much stress. So become part of a community, whether it's here at DSO, whether it's with us at Dance End, whether it's with your teachers at your own studio, maybe you have like a monthly chat where you sit down and it's like, here is a safe space for us all to talk about how hard this is. Um, That's super important. Yeah, community is so important. And that's like the main reason why I started GSO Connect in the first place was because I was so burnt out and no one in my life was there for me to talk to them who would understand. Cause I, you know, there's only so much you can talk to your staff about, you know, there has to be some kind of boundary there your partner doesn't quite get it. Your friends aren't in the industry or don't own businesses. So they don't really relate to what you're talking about. And so I really needed a, a crew. I needed a good, a good solid yeah. crew of dance studio owners to understand and to, to vent to. <laughs> and, yeah. and that instinct was so spot yeah, on. Yeah. And it, to, to, to lean into community for burnout. I, it's so, important. I think that if I, if, if DSO connect had not been there for me, I, I'm not sure I still would be where I am now as a studio owner. Yeah. It's been that life-changing for me. So yeah. Awesome. Yay. Well, any final words to wrap up? Where do you want to be found? Last ideas that you want to share? Yeah. You can find us, uh, as we mentioned at danceend.com. We also put out some free, well, we're putting out free content all the time on Instagram awesome. at dance end official. Um, you can find us there and we're always giving tips and advice and information there as well. Awesome. You can, and if you scroll down to the bottom of the dancend.com website, there's a place to drop your email. Um, we send emails out uh, now three times a week with different resources, ideas to use in the studio, ideas to care for yourself. Um, and new research. We're always looking for new research on how we can support everyone mentally and physically and, and as a community. Um, and then, you know, you can email us ever. We, we, we're always here. This is, this is what we do. So we're just dancend at gmail.com. Um, so yeah. Great. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. This has been such a wonderful conversation. We do like to end on, on a high note. So we've got our heart happy moment. Michelle, do you have one to share? Um, you mean from, from yourself, just in your life, what's something that kind of lit you up on the inside in the last week or so? Yes. Well, um, so I have a four-year-old or almost a four-year-old. He's a three-year-old. He's turning four on Saturday. Oh. And, um, I am learning personally from his joy, mm. um, the joy of anticipation, because he's so excited to go. We're going to Disneyland. On <gasps> oh my God. And, and watching him light up at the idea of this thing that he doesn't even know what it is. He's never been, but the joy of the anticipation is some, that something cool is just like making me so happy. Like oh. I just, so I need to, I, I love that he's doing that. And I also, it's teaching me that I need to set things in the future for myself yes. 
that make me happy so I can find that joy of anticipation. Definitely. Definitely. Kristen, what was your heart happy moment? Oh God, this is going to sound so unlike me, but nobody listening really (laughs) knows me. So you won't know that. Um, a hard, happy moment from the last week. We bought a new car. Ooh, congrats. And here's why, thank you. Here's why it's heart happy. My husband and I are not the, like we hold on to things forever, mm-hmm. forever. We, we, we collect our funds and we never let them go. Like we are just not those people. And, um, he, you know, we just like had decided that you've got one life to live. Mm. And yes, you can be smart and practical, um, but you can also have fun too. And it's important to have fun. So much like Michelle, my heart happy moment was allowing myself to have fun and trying to not feel guilty about Mm. it and saying, you know, we work really hard and we deserve to enjoy something about our lives. Right. And so we, my husband got a new Mustang and he's obsessed and in love with it. So is my, my kid, by the way, who is a gearhead through, um, (laughs) loves that car. I think more than we do. That's awesome. And it's just, it's yeah. Like schedule it. If you have to into your day, yeah. schedule a thing in the future. Fun is really important. Yeah. You've got to play and have fun. absolutely. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, let's see my heart happy moment. Um, Hmm. I should, I should have one already. Uh, oh, well, last night I had a date night with my girlfriend. We celebrated our one month anniversary. (laughs) One month anniversary. Yes. It was lovely. We went out to dinner and had a lovely time. So thank you. It's very (laughs) exciting. (laughs) All right. Well, Michelle and Kristen, thank you both so much for being here today and sharing all your resources and information. I'm sure that many of our listeners will be excited to take, um, take advantage of all the amazing programs you have to offer. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It was a joy to talk to you both. Thank you for having having us. All right. And hope to talk. Yes, definitely. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe and sign up for the DSO connect retreat which is june 27th through 29th in phoenix arizona go to dance studio owner for more information thanks everybody bye, bye.